I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Lark Lumberg. And we love to watch. We love to watch movies that take place in Chicago, especially when they blow up the Sears Tower. <laughs> Was that the Sears Tower? <laughs> the Willis Tower? The Willis oh, Tower, yeah. <laughs> I forgot your <laughs> former company really lost the naming rights <laughs> to that one. Uh, yeah! Uh, where are we left? Wait, hold on. Let's let's Go pause on. here really quickly. We haven't yeah. even introduced Lark, but I gotta I gotta get right into it. Uh-huh. H- has adoption have adoption rates for saying the Willis Tower increased since I left town? Nobody talks about it, so no. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like in what case? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it. I think the anger about the Willis Tower actually mostly exists in Northern Illinois outside of Chicago because those are the people who have memories of visiting it on school trips it? and stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah. But it's also, like, so characteristic of American nostalgia that we just wish a different company's name. Like, it's, like, also a company. Like, what are we... T- it's not like it's named after some great hero. Yeah. The, um... And then the... the it's good time. capitalism when there was catalogs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I saw somewhere on a, on a recent, like, in, like, a sports Twitter or whatever, people lamenting that they we need to take back the name of the stadium uh, in, in L.A., and make it the Staples Center again because oh they God. don't want to have it associated with whatever that Bitcoin C- website C- is. Oh they, yeah, they named it to CTX. Yeah. Oh my God. And people are like, we really need, we really need this to be the Staples Center again. I remember people. It's just, it's just like a constant lame. capitalism onion. Yeah. People are peeling back. From uh, <laughs> this is the first phonograph the company. Center. There you go. Yeah. Um, All right, uh, but yeah, we'll just look. Yeah, where we love to watch a movie podcast, we pick a theme, we do movies over the course of the month around that theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast. We're in our second week of Failure to Launch month, which is uh, sci-fi franchises, or attempts at franchises, that went absolutely nowhere. Um, we started with Valerian and the Planet of a Thousand Cities. I know I said that backwards, but I uh, Peter got it wrong so many times at this point. I think you could say anything that starts with Valerian. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you you can fool Peter. Yeah, uh, and, Valerian and Loreline. Yeah, and we so our kind of take for that one was uh, we'd seen three of these. After this, we're doing um, uh, Battle Angel Alita and Mortal Engines. They're very forgettable titles, and I think that's what part of the problem with them catching on with the audience. Perhaps. Um, the, of the three I've seen, the only one I hadn't seen was Mortal Engines, and my take on all of them was uh, bad acting bad uh kind of shitty writing but like good world building and good effects and valerian i think i i we ended that one saying oh this is actually pretty amazing yes all those things are true but the effects and the story and the world building kind of make up for it and i was kind of expecting to feel that for all of these and i think this is our first dip into oh this the world building doesn't save this one as much as uh as much as it did for Valerian, even if it's directed by by two people that I love most of their movies, but uh, that's Jupiter. Sisters are also way more way more talented than Luc Besson. True. <laughs> oh yes. Okay, uh, I'll agree with that. And much, I did think yeah. about it for two seconds, but yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, we're doing Jupiter Ascending, uh, the Wachowskis, I, their final movie that they that uh, they did together. Make, yeah, they did yeah, Sense Eight yeah. after this, and then. And then um, Lana Matrix did. 4. Yeah. yeah. This is the movie. This this movie like closed their production studio. Um, okay. Like between this and Sense Eight, Sense Eight like Netflix screwed over, but this one was like afterwards 
I think they were both in public saying like, we're never going to make a giant movie ever again. And like their actual production office closed after this movie, like people looked it up on Google maps or something. Um, Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was a huge kind of box office disappointment. Um, And, and even after like, I I went and looked at their, their box office history really with the exception of the matrix uh, movies, even stuff like Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer famously really kind of didn't had big budgets and didn't quite make their stuff back. But we're going to get into all that. We're actually thrilled to be rejoined for the first time in a few years yeah. by Lark Lundberg, yeah. uh, one time mainstay of this show and our sidecast uh, that lasted two episodes. Pod's not dead. Yeah, who has who has returned to us? I have. Lark. I find. Finally bothered Peter into letting me be on the show again. <laughs> okay, like water okay. on a stone. <laughs> we we I did in the in the interim. I did offer you some months, and you were like, I don't want to touch any of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that, but I believe you. Yes. <laughs> no, um, um, but yeah, this is this is this is fun. Like, because we haven't gotten like uh, we haven't done a lot of guest episodes. Yeah, and it's fun to get the the old gang together. Yeah, um, sometimes we don't like we're gonna be recording with uh, Carrie soon. Um, and we're going to be recording with Rick, hopefully, a bunch this year, too. Hopefully, yeah. we can get everyone together yeah. for yeah. something. Yeah. Yes. That would and be I'll fun. get, you're only our second guest we've ever done Zoom with, either. Oh, so, okay. Because we, we, with the pandemic, we were so ahead of the game and, like, recording three times a week or recording two episodes in a night that we kind of, like, stopped doing guests, basically, for a long wow. time, except for, for special guests. And, and, uh, thrilled to have, uh, have you joined us as our first guest of 2023 uh, to talk about a movie that I don't think any of us like all that much. No, it's not very good. I think it's the main but, problem is that the movie's yeah. not good. <laughs> that is, you know, it's very incisive. It, it's the, it's the essential element that's lacking, yeah. which is some form of goodness. Yes, many of their movies are good. <laughs> yeah. I think the Wachowski sisters should have considered making a good movie. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's just so obvious. They um, clearly so can I don't know why they decide not to this time around. Yeah, and it's not like they they stopped making good things after this. They made good things after this. Yeah, Um, I haven't seen Sense8. Yeah. uh, So, so yeah, Lark, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to our audience just quick in case? I don't know how to do that. Um, I don't do anything anymore. Um, (laughs) I'm Lark. I write stuff. Uh, I used to write more about movies. I don't really anymore. and uh i live in chicago um no that's that's the end of specific the, characteristics the i have the setting of the 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 best sequence in jupiter ascending You're i thought cosplaying as jupiter uh i'm wearing my miss 45 shirt to <laughs> match awesome. your uh to match your housey awesome. shirt we just need aaron in a I know, I'm wearing reference. my a company sweatshirt that oh matches my, my company background. Corporate shill. Oh I mean, God. they give you them for free. Guys. The most really? important part of an audio podcast is what t-shirt you're wearing. I know, I, I made a huge <laughs> mistake. I'm sorry, I'll go upstairs and change to like a replacement shirt or a In the Mouth of Madness shirt or something. There you go, there you go. Yeah, yeah there Match, go. match um, the cadence. Yeah, so this, so this was my, I previously saw this movie on a plane to the Philippines, actually, which is oh my God. The, ideal, the ideal way to watch a giant blockbuster movie is of course on a tiny screen yes on a on a 15 hour flight um and i remember being like the the buzz coming out from you know film groups and stuff like that were was that it wasn't very good but it was a quite the spectacle and i think under the circumstances 
I actually, I, I remember the movie I watched right before it, which was Never Watch While We're Young. It really is a, oh, Noah Baumbach, of course. It, it was his first movie that I really hated. And I liked most things after that as well. But that was really like, uh, what if some Gen Xers meet some millennials and hang out about <gasps> oh, kids Oh, that it's, one. It's so bad. Is that the one it, that turns into a spy movie a little bit? I don't think. A, maybe a little bit okay, where they're like they're heard. trying to figure out it's it's been a while okay um but i do but i do want to in- interrupt yeah I, I, uh though big spectacle filmmaking is obviously not made for a tiny screen and you know in an airplane or an ipad yeah. or whatever i will say movies that got a terrible rap but you're like i should at least give this a try yeah the perfect time to watch those is on a plane because you're like this is basically dead time. Exactly. Like, yeah. I never feel like no I waste, wasted a Friday night or anything. I just, this was, it was, it was, it was this or paying attention to all the awful smells around me. Yeah. Well, exactly. The stakes were generally pretty low. And, but I did watch a movie that I really hated right before this. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? This is going to be fun escapism that will keep my interest, but I don't have to be hyper-focused on it. And I remember walking away thinking, okay, three and a half star movie. It's it's fine. Um, I, I liked a lot of the effects. I you know I I liked one of the performances for how scenery chewing it was every bit as ridiculous as advertised, which I'm sure we'll get into Eddie Redmayne's yeah. performance, who was who was basically I think banned from making movies after this. They only let him do the the Harry Potter prequel i think he's doing okay i think eddie redmayne survived okay i don't know maybe Uh, i haven't checked he he did win a golden raspberry for uh this film that is that is deserving uh yeah and and, but everyone else was pretty bad including i mean i like channing tatum and i like mila kunis yeah channing tatum no yeah we'll get we'll get into all all of that i do have to say from the top though yeah. The goal of this month is not similar to uh, December, where we were consciously trying to find no. terrible Christmas movies. The goal this month was not, um, let's find four movies that didn't make money and kick them all their town. The yeah. goal of the four movies is to, is to kind of um, dwell and understand why the public picks up on some of these movies and turns them into franchises with their dollars and, and why um, some of the movies don't work. And a byproduct of that is that we're probably going to be talking some shit about some of these movies for being <laughs> yeah. a little bit inept at times. Yeah. But this one is is one that's it's <clears throat> it's very interesting because like so much of it has that like Wachowski stank on it. Like there is like a lot of uniqueness to this that you're just like nobody else would have made that decision. Yeah. Nobody else. Nobody else would have given a werewolf uh, a werewolf man rocket boots rocket yeah. skates. Um, no one. Like no one. Um. But uh, those choices lead to something that's, like, compelling to watch, but ultimately, like, doesn't interlock together the way so many of their, like, wild, crazy swings do. Yeah, that was kind of... The thing I was thinking of before we recorded is that, like, we've only done one other Wachowski movie, which was The Matrix, which we both love. Although, part of that month, I think, was me coming to terms with the fact that The Matrix was a better movie the 13th floor that i thought in 1990 oh my god are you Maybe. kidding me of course i mean it it was, is. i was 15 people make mistakes the 13th floor is up. extremely bad it's in so my bad. uh and the matrix is so good um but you know since uh i think since this movie came out i went back and and hit some of those blind spots too and like i ended up loving speed racer um which i've watched a couple times now with my kids as well 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't take a lot of pleasure in filmmakers that I generally like. Matrix Resurrections, one of my favorite movies of, of, of 2021, and, and doing a movie that I remember being much, at least more enjoyable to watch than it ultimately was. So, yes, this isn't a Valerian, but it's at least interesting because they were, I think, coming off a string of, uh, if not always commercial hits, I think some critical or cult love people love cloud atlas people love speed racer um i like one of those more than the other one <laughs> but uh but I, generally this was the one where i think and you're right peter and and lark like the beginning of this movie is the matrix it's yeah. the matrix for pulling a star wars character out into a star wars situation and then and, and i i don't know if it's all script or just they just got the I think a lot of it is the they just picked the absolute wrong leads for this movie. Um, but I, I mean, I'm excited to get into where where we think this really just came apart. Yeah, I mean, the performances are definitely. Um, I don't know. I think I I think it is both. I mean, I think a lot of the lines were just. I don't know if any human could perform them. Sean Bean's doing his best. <laughs> He's trying, yeah. but like, there's so many lines about the wings. Like they're trying to take the wings seriously, and I can't accept the wings. Um, the, uh, Mila Kunis in this game or in this movie makes me think of two things. No, there are two (laughs) video games that things that makes me think of one is mass effect or any Bioware adventure. There are parts where you can see the dialogue wheel show up below (laughs) Mila Kunis, like where she takes a little too long to say her line and it doesn't follow from the things she was saying before. And it's like, she always chooses Paragon. Yeah. You're like exploring the tree about the character's background. And it's like, we're in a fight. Like this is not the time. Um, she does pick the most boring option every single time. Like the movie pauses, so you could be like, "Ooh, what a what a heavy choice!" And you're like, "Yeah, I guess she shot him in the leg, but she's gonna shoot him in the head in a minute." Yeah, I don't know what this means for the movie. Well, at least she got to do something. Um, and that was the yeah. other thing. She just felt they they all they all feel like um, a very David Cage kind of like FMV video game, not FMV, <laughs> but like super C, like where the actors yeah. are like, "Oh, that's just your face," um, but like sweatier. <laughs> That's like how yeah. everyone felt in this movie. Uh, I feel like yeah, you could no see one... the button prompts during the during the exciting sequences. Like, yeah. yeah, I and and like a David Cage game, it goes to places that you're just like, what? Why? Me, yeah, why? Why is there not much pushback? Why is there not like Mila Kunis being like, I guess I gotta marry my son because that's how property ownership allocation works. It's just like. There's, 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 there's no fight. There's no anything. It's just like, what yeah. is happening? She, she has. I think it's always a problem, regardless of your movie, when your protagonist doesn't have a strong perspective. Like even in the Star Wars tale, Luke Skywalker being obviously template or, or Neo or stuff like that, they're being shown the world, but they still have, I think, a strong perspective as to what they want. You know, Luke wants to learn the Force and he wants to be a great pilot and that's kind of what he's pushing for in those movies like neo very much initially just wants to get out wants to get home and then kind of ends up having a love interest that he's that he's end up trying to impress and stuff like that like i don't know what mila kunis wants in this movie she wants just to go back exactly to the dog shit life that she had at the beginning of the movie it's it's like she pulls a cypher like she's just yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna pretend all this didn't happen. It's like that's the opposite moral. Of your other <laughs> yeah. You're you're so right, and it's it. But the thing is, this is not a movie like The Matrix. So the so, um, in The Matrix and 
uh, in the Matrix, uh, Neo gets pulled out of uh, a fairly bland, boring, you know, dream world into a horrifying reality. And, like, you know, let's go back. What she gets pulled out of is, like, a horrifying, like, just fairly banal existence of just, like, drudgery. Not dissimilar from the major. She's at a different lower uh, economic level than Neo is, but because he's, like, an office drone and she's, like, truly working class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but drudgery, right? Um, the stuff that all of mm-hmm. us go through to some degree, right? And um, And then she gets pulled out into this, like, neon, candy-coated, crazy universe where a hot guy wants to rescue her and... Uh, it fulfill whatever werewolf fetish she may or may not have um and then uh she gets to uh go and be a space princess and like maybe take and then maybe take control of her life in some capacity and at every turn instead of feeling like she's it doesn't even feel like she's fulfilling like the joseph campbell thing where she's like no 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 yes she's just like she's like "Mm, i don't know yeah i don't know I, I have know. a shift. I don't know. And then, and then at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, somebody has literally like tugged her on a leash so long that eventually she's like, "I guess I'm the princess because all my enemies are dead." Like, <laughs> and she not... goes, she goes back to work and's like, "Don't tell anyone I own the planet." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, the what would that practically like... mean, right? Like, uh, yeah. get, like you go to the bank and are like, "I own the planet," and they're like, "No, you don't." Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It is. Very yeah, unless funny. you have the mechanism to harvest it. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the problem is, is that their society is not built on interacting with their crops, really, for power. <laughs> it's more about using the people for power. And that's just, well, yeah, even though, like, Neo's a really good example, though, like, his, like, you know, crisis at the beginning of the, of the movie is that he feels like, you know, he's an office drone, everything's bullshit, and he spends his time hacking, and, like, he's, like, living the 1990s version of, like, the office space, not, a, you know, everything's worthless, everything's stupid, everything's a waste of time, there's gotta be something more out of there from the drudgery of, of this life. And I, I do think, like, Mila Kunis, though, like, her whole thing is that she wants to buy a telescope to look up at the stars, because she likes to look at the stars, but she has a very, like, active familial life. She doesn't seem to hate her job. She has a good friend, even if her friend's terrible. And then, like, the idea, I think the, it's like the the telescope is kind of fulfilling that she wants something bigger out there in a Neo way. But, but yeah, Lark, you're 100% right. The second she gets the bigger thing, she's like, I would like to go back. And if you could never come here, just, just let me do my Earth thing. That would be great. Like, there's no, she, she literally wants a telescope not to be in the stars yeah. but just to look at to make sure distance. they're away from her yeah she wants to keep them at a distance yeah, yeah. It's, I, right. I, I, it's it's true and i um what's funny is i just because i would like to post it next month or uh, i sorry <clears throat> i'm getting my timeline screwed up uh last i posted month. our urge uh episode last month um uh because i wanted to uh get uh, one of my favorite episodes out again and um, we talked about in Urge how um, the Masterson brothers are in that movie, and Danny Masterson is in it. And um, at the time, he was not outed as, as a sex creep. Um, I think it was just more rumors that he was just kind of like not good to work with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny is we come back together to cover another that '70s show uh, actor <laughs> who I feel like is more talented than Danny Masterson. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's however, a bold statement. <laughs> however, and she's more charming, and she's, like, really great in a specific 
like narrow range yeah. i think the mila kunis fits in i hate saying this about actors um but we got to talk about a little bit about dane dehan last month like dane dehan has his his narrow alleyway like very creep, specific like <laughs> like creep um somebody in recovery somebody yeah. who is just someone who's slowly dying of poisoning yeah, somebody, somebody who's, yeah, exactly. Somebody who just ate the wrong burrito for lunch. Mm-hmm. Just somebody who's just, like, not all there and is kind of trying yeah. to make it to, to tomorrow, right? Which is, like, a great role. You can you can make a good, you can carve out a good living there, but he's not good as, like, the Han Solo type. Um, <clears throat> Mila Kunis, I do think, also similarly has a very narrow range, and action-adventure movies are outside of it. I, she is firmly, in a movie that's fairly mediocre, but could be good, um, is Book of Eli. She's firmly the thing that sinks that movie for me. Oh, firmly. no. A- everybody in that movie at least does... I mean, the, the core concept of the movie is pretty dumb, but... Um, the, yeah. The, 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 but everybody in that movie is at least trying something. And she is just, like, so bouncy and, like, flippant and, like, doesn't seem to grasp the drama around her in certain scenes and she's not like making choices she's just sort of yeah. like this is the line i say and i feel like usually in an action adventure mold she ends up falling into this trap of just sort of like being non-committal and flighty in a so, way that's like not great no so i think her defining characteristic as an as an actor is skepticism right like the roles that she's really good in like even like a uh, you know, your mileage on the movie may vary, but like she's very charming and forgetting Sarah Marshall as someone who is skeptical of the world, is skeptical of the romance and stuff like that and holds everything at a distance. And I, I think even when I watched like that 70s show, she was good at that. She wasn't all that interested in everyone else's machinations. She kind of sat to the side of it all and had a direct focus on Kelso's character, but like wasn't ever really interested in anyone else's bullshit. And that was like a major defining part of her character. And she she was good at that. That really falls apart in a movie like this where your lead character needs to sell you on the wonder and the amazement of the universe and her holding the already like the leap of faith that you need need to take in any of these types of movies when she's holding you back from it and doesn't feel all that convinced by anything that's going on either is real or happening. I think it, it it's 100% right. It just takes you kind of out of I'll have to be in the movie because because your main character is not bought into what's going on. I'll have to be honest. I'm trying to figure out what I've ever seen her with because I never watched that '70s show. I saw <laughs> Black Swan is what I mostly think about her from. She's really good in Black Swan. Um, Black Swan. She was the extremely hot Wicked Witch of the West in Oz the Grain Powerful. I don't know why I saw that. <laughs> She's terrible in that movie. That movie's yeah. good though. I I, will, I kind of defend that movie. All right, um, you can do that. Um, oh yeah, and American Psycho too. She was the replacement uh, Patrick Bateman in American Psycho she too. Patrick Bateman. Yeah, <laughs> she's the American. I bet she's good. I bet she's good in that. That was like the same time as she must have been like fifteen when that movie. Came yeah, out, she's right? yeah, yeah. I think that um, movie would be good if the title was American Psycho T O O. As well, we, and then uh, <coughs> a Bad Mom's Christmas. We uh, we discussed before. I think I saw um, a trailer. She's pretty good in Bad Mom's Christmas. The, the funny part about Bad Mom's Christmas is that Peter watched it for a Christmas movie, not realizing it was a sequel to a movie called Bad Moms that he had never heard of. And so he oh, was yeah. very he was very like, man, they're just they're just running with 
these bad moms having a Christmas. I have no idea. <laughs> these bad moms people. are having a Christmas. I love. There's no <laughs> shoe leather when the bad moms have a Christmas. We don't get introductions to anyone. They're just having a Christmas. Very efficient. <laughs> I uh, yeah. They didn't spend very much time establishing that they were bad moms. They were just off to the races. You know. I do, I do from the title. I I do wonder like whether I don't know. I I mean she delivers what is actually a very funny line, which is the um, I've always loved dogs. And then I think if she hit the note later where it was supposed to be stupid, where she's like, ah, oh. but like, I think if they hit that more, it'd be more obvious that that's like the funniest possible thing anyone could say in oh that situation. God. It's <laughs> it absolutely so perfect. Funny. I would kill to write that line. Yeah, it's, it's, there's stuff in the movie that is, there's stuff in the movie that is supposed to be goofy and fun. And this movie is not supposed to be Matrix. It's not supposed to be cool and detached and leather jackets and like, like. I can't believe this is happening. Like, it's not supposed to yeah. be that. This movie is firmly Dork City. Yeah. In a good way. Like, in a way that I like. Like, I like that that clearly the Wachowski sisters, they read a bunch of, I, I this is from an interview, they read a bunch of, like, particularly, like, young adult, oh, like, no. sci-fi fantasy books. Yeah, that's the problem. And then they <laughs> smushed everything they wanted kind of into a grab bag movie. Yep. And then had to rewrite it a few times to make it into a movie, which is also why this movie's climax and second climax are identical. Yeah. That that Kane has to come rescue her from signing a contract with a marriage. And then also he has and then also later he has to come and also save her from signing a contract, For signing her. over her heritage. And they are like twenty minutes apart, mm. the same basically yeah. the same sequence. Um, I will say also, we recently covered Amila Kunis film film on the show, uh, in December um which is yeah. santa with muscles and she yeah. acts hulk hogan out of the water she's in that manage. how old was she when that movie came it was, out? Her, it was her first movie Ten. it was pre yeah. jeez show she's baby. yeah she i agree she is a better actor than hulk hogan <laughs> <laughs> i agree she's better in that movie than hulk hogan ed bagley jr I don't know. I mean, Sorry, I'm searching for a cop here. <laughs> Ed Bagley Jr. controlled electricity or something. That is true. Okay. Yeah. Something. Um, we do need. But, oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. We do need to talk about Channing Tatum's performance at length. It is. It's, yeah, his, yes. his it's also bad. Very clearly has a uh, prosthesis that is making it difficult for him to close his mouth. Um, yes. It is. And, and enunciate. And enunciate, yeah. And act above the chin. I have a theory that I, I we talked about this was it last summer, two summers ago, and we did... Um, is this the 9-11 thing? No. <laughs> this is about the Gulf of Tonkin uh, being a legitimate attack by the Viet Cong. So I, I have a theory on um, the reason that Blade Trinity is bad. There's many reasons, but one of them is I, I my theory is that they switched teeth guys. When you watch Blade 1 and Blade 2, nobody seems to have any problem with the prosthetic teeth, even guys with like super complex weirdo uh, monster teeth. Um, but then in Blade Trinity, like Parker Posey can barely say anything without like having to swallow her spit like oh she's God. got i think it's it's like really really noticeable and i and i have a theory that a lot of the reason that like people just come off really poorly in that movie is because the prosthetics either like hurt or hurt their ability to speak lines maybe both and i feel like what we're dealing with here with the channing tatum thing is like well one i think it's a perfect role for him yeah He's sort of like a dummy cute dog who has to wear no clothing for periods of time do action sequences that are incredibly physical. Like, there's a lot of wire work in this movie for him. Um, and 
he like the role is well cast for him but they give him terrible dialogue he doesn't get to do any sort of like dummy banter back and forth with her he's just sort of like her bodyguard her guard dog that she at some point is like i want to have sex with this guard dog which all power to you um and he he can't say even his like nominal lines because he's like (laughs) i'm more crowded with a dog than you (laughs) and it's like yeah i agree like at this moment like you're Yeah. yeah i do think that's a problem but i also think Maybe this isn't maybe this isn't true for every movie, but I'm trying to think of a counterexample. It's kind of like that theory about like there's certain actors that only work in their own time period, like they can't. Yeah, you, they can't be historical. I I get the Mickey sense Rooney. watching. Yeah, I get the sense that you see Mickey Rooney. Yeah, Mickey Rooney. He shouldn't have okay. acted beyond the age of forty five. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean like he can't, like can't go do it. Like you can't have Stallone in like a night in a. Yeah revolutionary war epic or something oh i think that, i thought you yeah. meant like the it's, decade that they i thought you meant the decade that they're making movies in was the correct decade. i mean sure i agree that that, that is also he should have been in that full house christmas episode he wasn't great in it but uh you know i i mean i i mean like that out out of their like actual like time period um and i i get the sense from this that like channing tatum is someone who shouldn't be in a fantasy like high fantasy or that kind of uh, thing where he's not in his own like world it, like because i i do really like channing tatum but i don't know it's i he doesn't sell or, or maybe it's just a tonal difference with the way everyone else is playing the space alien royalty type characters and he is contrasting to that in this weird like modern hip way but there's something there that's not that's not working for me even and again maybe it's the prosthetic Maybe it's his dialogue that's like giving me that impression because obviously those are problems. Um, but I, I wonder if he's just, yeah, I mean, he just I, maybe I, shouldn't be in this type of movie. I think he does give the exact performance of someone who roller skates a lot trying to be cool. Like, okay. and so that is accurate. Like, those are people I've met. Uh, it's just <laughs> Mila Kunis doesn't fall in love with them. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So I do want to. What if they cut off movie? their wings? But yeah. What if you cut off their wings? Oh my God. It's true. I was very upset by that. I don't know. That it's just like he's already a dog man, and now we, we don't need flying dogs. This is not like Spore, the Spore creature creator. Like, oh, do you think that was written th- only so that the ending they can both fly off? But like, uh, yeah, I'm they, sure. they're like they're like, well, we can't get a second set of rocket boots. So like, <laughs> how easier. do we get it so they can both separately fly off? Oh my and God. also, if this were the Spore character creator, he would be a werewolf cock with wings. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> everyone made a cock, right? Yeah. Oh, for so, sure. He's like, he's like um, a gargoyle. Yeah. <laughs> there are gargoyles. There are gargoyles. Yeah. yeah. I want to just while we're while we're on Channing Tatum, I do want to like uh, say like one of the features of this movie that like uh, or one of the moments in this movie where I was like, this is like. The some choices that only the Wachowski sisters would make, which is yeah, all right, he's a werewolf, uh, but all the choices they make with him sort of subvert his his like masculinity, like yeah, he's yeah. like a good killer and stuff, but um, he's a good boy, yeah, he, he's a good boy, <laughs> um, he's uh non-threatening to her, like he's not like this like big tough brutish guy, he's not he's very, he gets very nervous and scared whenever she like in any way shows interest in him, like in a way like almost like he's like, I, sexually I'm incompatible with you in some way (laughs) yeah, 
Um, it, but not in a way that's like him being like, no, I, I've got a mission to do. We can't get distracted. Him being like, uh, uh. He's like, I don't know. This is a, this is a slippery slope. Um, also, but he's, but... he's con- wait, no, you finish. Sorry. He's constantly establishing boundaries with her. He's literally riding neon roller skates everywhere. He's fulfilling a werewolf fantasy, which is apparently one of the more common fantasy, sexual fetish fantasies. Uh, and, um, he is uh he, he's very like gentle and like kind with her and i'm like only the wachowskis would take channing tatum at this stage make him an action star but also add a bunch of features to him that are like not very masculine in, in a way that like i kind of i kind of like conceptually like i like the idea that they give him a bunch of things that are like a little bit more effeminate and sensitive Mm-hmm. uh and, and like take him out of that threatening space and put him in a space like i i think that the proof there for me is that there's this, there's an entire thing where he changed her clothes when she was unconscious yeah and I, I was i was like you're like oh that's a little weird and then like you kind of aren't threatened by it after like after 10 seconds and they reference yeah. it later and he's sort of like i'm sorry yeah that happens like three times in this movie <laughs> like yes. she is constantly getting redressed um yeah. in a way that like i don't know i thought was very uh uh i don't know i, I can't uh there's a lot of I don't know. Like, I in my mind, this is as much of a fetish movie as The Matrix. Like, The Matrix <laughs> explicitly has everyone in dominatrix outfits, but like, this movie has just got like sneaks in the furry, sneaks in the feminization fantasy of waking up in fancy clothes, sneaks in a lot of stuff where I'm like, oh, you are just this is just as horny. Um, yeah, and it is like it is sort of um, it is also you know it's a very common sort of fantasy and sci-fi trope is like you're you're in a world and oh there's actually a much bigger more important world around you and you're the central character in it you were a nobody five minutes ago and now you're the princess now you're Harry Potter um, yeah. and like it's a very common sort of like fantasy fantasy thing but like. Usually they have, you know, that character like Harry Potter goes through a series of growth growth moments and then like eventually like takes on villains and like learns to confront his fears or whatever. Jupe is literally like a doll that gets moved from like scene to scene to scene. Yeah. She literally gets dragged from scene to scene to scene. She doesn't even get trusted to dress herself. No. She she almost never has to um, in any way vouch for herself. She never in any meaningful way gets to say no. Um, it's like uh, it, it is, but it's. It, I'm wondering now that you mentioned the fetish thing. Like, is is that also a little bit of a fetish? Like, it makes. Me... I need a. I, I need a werewolf man who will make literally every decision for me. I'm. <laughs> I have decision fatigue. <laughs> it kind of feels like I feel like the diff- the mask femme energy between like the matrix the matrix and this is the same as the mask femme energy between like Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive, where I'm like, this is the femme version reverse, where it's like you're just the object of the fantasy instead of being the subject of the fantasy but the fantasy is still there um yeah 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 yeah. that's a good that's a good way of putting it i do think though it's still it's the way you're describing mila kunis's character or jupiter in this movie i don't think it it quite fits that though it's weirder than that because she's not the person who they're like actually all of this is for you she's the person who like you're the princess and you are owed this In, in some ways like we don't know entirely what happened before even though every character has a perspective um she's almost the villain to a previous movie that's yeah. that through infighting a villain or a, a a tragedy hero that killed but since she's only coming back as a genetic copy with none of the the memories she's almost like 
she's not someone where they're like, hey, actually, you're the part of the prophecy and all this is yours. They're like, oh, we already killed you. I guess you get your stuff back? And she's like, what stuff? <laughs> like, that's, that's the problem. She's not finding out about her princess destiny. She's an old queen and the mom to everyone that they rubbed out because she didn't want to get with the times. It's a very weird perspective of that hero's journey because, like... In, she's she's not the new person coming to fulfill the prophecy. She's the old person who's now back, but with none of her same motivations or understanding of the world. What I, I, I would like say, to, I yeah, if you could like, if anyone can help me work through how she's the same genetic code of the mother, like, is it just coincidence? Did it just like? It seems like it, right? Yeah, that is what it seems like. It popped, it popped up, and there were enough, you know, over a millennia, and, and the genetic code just gets like reworked until yeah. it eventually comes out again. It's a thousand uh, monkeys on a typewriter yeah. writing Shakespeare. Like every once in a while, we accidentally create a clone of one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, okay, so like, uh, I, this is like probably a good moment to. There was something that I, uh, Lark and I were talking about online earlier, which is like. Um, I do like that this is a movie with Star Wars style and approach, like a, a lightness and a, a space opera lightness. You know, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, yep. slash Gordon, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but um, the entire worldview and like the co- like the cosmological structures, or not even the cosmological structures, like the political structures, are all like it's almost like a, a goofy Dune because it's about. These massive political families that wield ma- uh, 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 power, and they they have royal genetic lineages that get traced out, and they have chopped up the galaxy into these sort of capitalist escapades that um, these capitalist endeavors that are all at war with each other because they're all competing for money, and some people are on the wane, and some people are on on the rise, and um, in, in, instead of there being like a central evil empire. Um, literally the Empire in Star Wars, um, Central Evil Empire, they're like, oh, um, the, the, um, the, this family is evil, but there's also space cops, but they have a limitation on how much they can look into this, like, space mafia, but this family does own lots and lots of planets, and they seeded this planet genetically so that thousands of years or millions of years later they can come and collect, um, this human goo that makes people live forever, um, yeah. Also, weird timing. I didn't expect anything of this to remind me of Avatar: <laughs> Way of Water, but there's a weird, weird connection there. Without spoiling anything, Peter Thiel's uh, inspired both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just a weird thing in Avatar: Way of Water that I don't really want to get into because I don't think a lot of people have seen it just yet. Um, but um, my point is is that it, it, it's cosmologically or po- politically more like a um, a Dune thing where the galaxy is like chopped up into these like space megacorporation fiefdoms that are like fighting with each other as opposed to um, like Star Wars where there's like an evil empire gobbling up planets. It's like she's trying to gain some semblance of political power within a space that has specific checks and balances and may only be nominal, but it's not fully nominal because if she gives up that power, she just has to go back to earth and can maybe be harvested at any point for human goo. Like all of that to say that type of, of structure is too much for one movie for sure. And maybe too dense for like a PG 13 appeal to everyone style movie. Mm -hmm. Like, 
maybe like the rated r matrix version of this with like more like deadly stakes where like actually people you actually are like understanding like the, the mortality of what's going on would would maybe hit harder and it would less feel like it's just sort of like chess pieces moving on a board in a game that you don't understand yeah so but maybe part of the problem is is that i found i don't know if this is just my copy of it but i found the dialogue so quiet and some of that is just Eddie Redmayne's Eddie Redmayne's delivery. Um, that I, I finally halfway through had to turn on subtitles because I felt like I was missing half the things that people said because the anytime there was an explosion it was so goddamn loud. But yeah. I my wife and I did the same thing. I am not so I know that yes they divide up the galaxy, but do what is their industry? Don't isn't their industry just the human goo? Yes, factories like. As I understand it, they divide... Yeah. They have other stuff, but that's their biggest money. It seems like they just divided up their goo harvests, and then most of the galaxy is meant to keep a few people alive for a long period of time, right? There's other planets that are, like, more independent and have their own say, but because this family owns Earth, they can say what happens to the populace, and they can keep the populace in the dark. I, so I, th- I also I feel that there was more. The I thought there was more plan. I thought that Earth was just one of many. Goo I think ones. it is. I think that part there of it are, is but that also when planets where people just live like people. Yeah, I think that the idea is that the planets that are specifically seeded with their DNA are the ones that yeah. they can harvest, which is why like they can't go liquefy d- lizard planet or yeah take out some fucking uh, dragons. I mean, can. Uh, they're just not going to get the right goo. Yeah, the goo. I mean, they can't. Yes, but I do think the way the they bad. the way they kill people is very funny. Like at first, when they first show the the gargo the first gargoyle getting killed by the torture machine, is like, oh, it's like a torture machine. But then they use it to kill the family, and the family is fully unconscious. So like, they're not being tortured. They are not around. It's like the only way they figured out how to kill people is to descend this death trap that looks like it's trying to kill like an '80s cartoon hero. It's got like a screw and like a pointy thing. There's, a, yeah, well, there's also a thing in um in Warhammer. There's this like race of like dark elves, I believe they are, that like they've been living so long that the only thing that they really like brings them joy is like long form torture. And I'm assuming this uh, a Brassix family now is is in like a bond phase. Like <laughs> they 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 were so pragmatic and like ma- and like you know mafia cold for so long. Now they're like. You know, I just I can't watch radio anymore. I just get or I can't listen to the radio anymore. I just get bored. I can't watch I can't watch the hollow screens anymore. The only thing that I like is a Bond style hijinks that well, they can probably get out of. Yeah, I mean it's a galaxy wide corporate endeavor meant to essentially keep at the core of it four to five people alive forever. But they have not like they are still mortal besides just it keeps them ageless. So like it feels like there should have been more technology focused on other ways that people die that isn't old age. Because it is so funny. They're like, they've been around for 10,000 years. Oh, well, if you guys have been around forever, then what happened to to your mother? What happened to me? And they're like, she was murdered. <laughs> like, could that ha- be happening all the time? Why are you guys investing and- in like accident, like bubble suits or, or something? They have the magic spray. 
when they take off the tampon, they use the magic spray. Like it's a fucking, uh, it's like a power up, just like. Psh. Oh yeah, it's oh. like a Resident Evil first yeah, aid spray. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also, I don't know why this bothered me so much, but Mila Kunis puts the tampon on backwards uh, when she's covering it up. Oh yeah. She puts the sticky side on, and that's not going to absorb anything. I don't know what you're doing, Mila Kunis. You should know this. Her mom. Her mom did. Or her, her previous version of her, the mom, did. But the <laughs> knowledge like, didn't transfer. Yes. She's like, in Russia, we wear them backwards. We're tough. <laughs> I ruin every pair of them. <laughs> you gotta use both sides. Yes. I mean, she's, she's, she's not making She's, like, she's economical, yeah. yeah. The second side, it would just run off, though. Yeah, it would just stick, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's oh, it's for later in the month. <laughs> that, that's uh, pre-wax. Yeah uh so yeah what uh what else do we have to talk about for generalities obviously this movie came out my theory or peter and mine's theory from the last episode and talking about the titles is that if you have a title that's too specific and too generic at the same time which i would make the case that all four of the movies we're covering this month is all fits that description that ultimately the 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 movie going public goes i don't care it's, it's yeah. too it's too specific plus too generic. Like, what does, is Jupiter sending? Doesn't Valerian? That's not the comic book. Is Valerian and the woman? Laura. Right? Yeah, and yeah, they like Laura. had to write her out, or like they demote. I haven't seen it. I read the comic. Um, yeah, we yeah, we actually they, talked a little bit. Yeah, it's it's they made it Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which yeah. is a rewrite for one of the books. The weirdest part was is and if you read the comic. I've never read the comic, but we looked it up in that initially Lorelai was not like a contemporary of Valerian, but was a damsel in distress princess that was stolen from the 11th century. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, that was a weird comic. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think those comics might not hold up. There's what, uh-huh. Peter, I know we're only talking about video games for some reason, but um, do you remember <laughs> the name of that Xbox game that orson scott card wrote not shadow complex oh yes. uh, the sci advent rising yes that was what oh. it had such a cool demo in one of the demos instead of killing aliens in a hallway you could use psychic powers and break the windows and would cut all the aliens in half and wow. then the game never got anything contracts. cool again yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess just rising is a good way to like kill your franchise be like <laughs> yeah exactly ascending <laughs> ascending so okay hold on so it's also were... dumber that her name i mean i'm sorry yeah. like, your name is jupiter ascending and then yeah your main character's name is jupiter <laughs> there's already Jones. A, uh, there, like J- jupiter is also named after like a roman or greek god right like I'm yeah. Not yeah. A, sorry i'm not in a i'm not a classic it's um character. roman it's yeah. zeus right isn't it just yeah. the roman name for roman zeus? zeus yep yeah, uh, Sky and Thunder, King of the Gods in Ancient Roman Religion. Okay, so, like, um, okay, so, <laughs> uh, the planet is named after a Roman god, but also the planet is named after her when she was the mother, but the her name al- also just happens to end up being the name of what her mom's name was do we just know that her mom the mom's name, name was jupiter yeah was, was the mom named Ju- i thought they jupiter. just called her the mother yeah i think her name was just i jupiter. think she is just named jupiter and then it happens to be that there's an alien installation on jupiter okay yeah. so 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 it's not even that like she, like genetically someone just like looked at her and was like yep you're a jupiter yep um no that was her <laughs> name already we're really working up because then the mo- the parents would have to be the reincarnation of the, her parents and so we're really doing the immaculate conception with sci-fi <laughs> like we're just gonna it's keep like, working it backwards 
it's just one of those things where it's like okay like uh obviously many people probably millions of romans considered the name jupiter very compelling right um i think i like i'm not saying that like that you can't put the word jupiter in a title it's inherently going to sound a little dorky but that's you know lots of movie titles are dorky i was just talking about avatar avatar is a very dorky yeah. thing to call your big budget movie right um jupiter ascending when i hear ascending i'm like is this is this an astrology thing it is an astrology I, thing for sure you trying yeah. to get an astrology thing past me wachowskis yeah i, I also means. just the planet's big the, pl- the planet is goes there, up is there goes down to lark's point <laughs> is there a movie that had rising or ascending in the title that did well because i do remember like when you remember when it was like when they were doing prequels that was like hannibal rising oh god yeah <laughs> dark Knight like, rise is the worst uh yeah deep deep rising is good, but did not do well at the box office. The Treat Williams Sea, sea Monster movie? None of those words. Uh, um, Mercury Rising? from Valhalla Rising. Valhalla Rising kicks ass. That's yeah. a great movie. I'm sure Mercury Rising is terrible. That's the one where Haley Joel... That's the pre... or It might not be Haley Joel Osment, but he accidentally, like, he's uh plays an autistic kid who accidentally figures out all of the CIA's codes, and then people try uh, to kill yeah. him. Yeah, this looks pretty bad. Not a great movie. Yeah. Um, Why am I still going through this list? There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. else that I mean. I've never seen any of these. I don't know. The House of the no, Rising no one Sun. wants to see things rise. No. <laughs> I want to see the House of the Rising Sun. It I think the whole cool song mo- is pretty negative. <laughs> it's in it's in New Orleans. I think. <laughs> I I, always, I never heard the second half of the song, but it's pretty cool for a little bit. Yeah. He yeah. got new jeans, and then he went and hung out there for a while. It's going great. Uh. <laughs> Do you guys let's I think we should I think we've exhausted generalities. We have a lot to figure out in this plot that for as simple as it is, I don't think any of us quite know what's going on in this movie. No. Uh, are you guys are you guys ready to start talking more sure. about Jupiter yeah. ascending? Yes. Uh, all right, Peter. I hope you have a glossary of names um, to walk us through. So Jupiter Ascending begins with um, it's narration of the origin of Jupiter, uh, and I mean that in terms of her conception. Um, her parents begins with her parents meeting uh, in Russia. One is an astronomer, um, but this movie does kind of like conflate astronomy and astrology in a way that i find fairly troubling um it does it, it also conflates yeah. com- cosmology with cosmetology which that's of course <laughs> terrible because astrology is a real science uh so yeah. <laughs> you, you think you got one of the 12 personalities by accident <laughs> yeah <laughs> very much proven by my weak integrity as a pisces um, but I don't know actually what I'm supposed to be. I'm just, I think Pisces are just soft boys. Is that the, is that the thing? I don't know. I was recently in- informed that as a cancer, I'm emotionally manipulative. So <laughs> <laughs> did you just say thanks? You were recently informed? Yeah. By a friend. <laughs> oh. It was not, I, I was like, oh, know. we don't know each other that well. You don't have to yeah. read me that deeply. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, the, 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 yeah, I, I, um, 
I, the, the movie does a, conflate astrology and astronomy in a way that's fairly troubling. But regardless, this man is an astronomer. He's actually looking at planets and judging their movement and talking about how they are, you know, astral bodies and such. And a uh, Russian woman falls in love with uh, him and he sees her by the dock, whatever. So um, we're introduced to uh, her parents um, in a very forced a uh, very contrived moment. A break-in happens at their home for seemingly no reason by armed, heavily armed burglars uh, who come in and steal the telescope. Um, and when the guy's mm-hmm. like, no, it's not gold or whatever, Jupiter's father is shot and killed. Um, in the chaos, um, because she's yeah. uh, Jupiter's mother is pregnant with Jupiter, uh, they head off to America, and that sort of kicks off Jupiter's life uh, as a house cleaner, um and also like a corporate office cleaner and she um yeah she's a condo cleaner and she's sort of doing like can you believe it i was scrubbing toilets i was like yeah lots of people scrub toilets it's a (laughs) perfectly respectable way to make a living i don't know what you're um, you get paid as much as you should but um but uh the the movie is trying to sort of set up that she's very much like an underdog in in many ways but she's fated for bigger things um one day she is okay so what's kind of going actually on really, really quickly really quickly on that i was so convinced watching this time that the robbery and the death is like some sort of plot yeah. from the family yeah and i'd already seen it but i was like this ha-, like i was like this has to connect i forget how it connects but it has to connect it doesn't nope um, the reason that the reason that her, her uh, they come after her later is because her DNA pops during um, the yeah. sequence that I'll explain. Basically, um, she is so low on cash, and this very tight, very like also also awful family. Um, yeah, one Horrible. of them is trying to exploit her into selling her eggs so he can. He, he wants to buy a TV and a, and a PlayStation. Uh, Dark Souls Two is coming out, and he really wants to play Dark Souls Two. Very um, relatable. He didn't say that, but we watch him playing Dark Souls yeah. too. So. And we, uh, Maya watched <laughs> this with me, and she goes, "That's that video game you like." <laughs> too much. Maya didn't like this movie too much. She didn't. Ah, uh, she thought it was okay. It was no Valerian, which she loves. Yeah, it's no Valerian. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's wise of her. Um, but uh, also, oh, we should yeah. like it. That was his like I don't know. Second cousin is close enough that I would not. Like that would be it. it. Nobody treats it as later he gets beaten a up with ass. he gets beaten up. But like the second my second cousin being, I was like, I'm not comfortable with with this conversation. And for the first half of the conversation, I was under the impression this is like a shithead boyfriend. You know, like yeah. a lot of these movies give yeah. give a shithead boyfriend brother to, to, to dispense with yeah. that. Um, you know, she breaks up with him so she can go date the werewolf cowboy spaceman. Um, angel well but that roller skater again that speaks to her character just not seeming to have any drive or engagement with anything because it it seems like at least from what we see on screen that like her biggest objection to selling her eggs so her second cousin can buy a tv is the inconvenience of the whole thing like it's it's like who wants to go downtown on a wednesday like during rush hour like it does she doesn't seem that conflicted besides like just the the 
potential per- like I I don't know like and I'm not saying she has to feel conflicted or anything like that either but she just seems to have no perspective one way or the other besides it seems annoying to her yeah yeah and and, and uh, as someone who's uh, very close with somebody who did not sell eggs but uh, had to have uh, eggs uh, harvested um, eggs retrieved um, the uh, the process is very in- invasive and rough like it's it, you're um, essentially like your body inflates with blood for a bit and then um after the um the, they retrieve the eggs um all that blood just kind of has nowhere to go so you get like bloated and pained like Ugh. it's a it's a fairly surgical procedure with a lot of like uh details that i don't really want to get into but like um this is like not something that you like pop in for for a quick visit like this is like a thing that she would have had to be planning weeks in advance possibly taking some sort of medication before she did it like it's 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 tough um but she the family when the family finds out later they object they're like oh you wanted to sell your cousin's eggs uh <laughs> she just wants a damn telescope <laughs> but like the the sense that you get at the beginning like her, she has an uncle that gets the family jobs but she, the uncle is also sort of negotiating against her mother um, because like he'll give the jobs away if she doesn't take on like 24 hours of work in a 24 yeah. hour day uh-huh. it aggressively doesn't matter <laughs> yeah and then yeah. there's that other he's like i'll give it to their crew and i'm like they're at the dinner table and i'm like are you yeah. related to them too is this also <laughs> part of the family or do you just like regularly bring around i don't know it was very ambiguous how does how does this affect the family this what's is, the dynamic uh... Maybe is it supposed to be like a microcosm of what we see later on? Like it's all—it's basically all the same systems. They're dividing <laughs> up cleaning contracts. They're dividing up harvesting planets. I it's would, all I would totally capitalism, baby. I would agree with that, except for the part at the end where she's like, "These are my real." Like I'm back with my family. Like it's almost there. I mean, they have the whole Brazil I, sequence that we'll get she to. She's kind of stuck. They do. She's yeah, I mean, stuck they... between two awful families. But at some point, yeah. she's like, "Well, I miss my old family," and you're like, "Why?" They wanted, yeah, we to, did, they we wanted did. to exploit every single aspect yeah. of you and break your soul. What did you we didn't, what did you we want didn't talk that? we didn't talk much about it at the beginning, but like the the message of this, which matches a lot of the other Wachowski movies, is like the the like anti capitalist, like anti like like it's it's doing that. It's rich people controlling, you know, certain things that make, you know, literally people their uh, you know, a caste system or their their property and stuff like that so it's like doing that but it's 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 a very shallow dip into the into that pool i would say on this on this outing i also understand like i have never had to clean houses for a living to support a family of three generations i think there's old people in the house as well there's young kids running around at least three generations like i've never had to work in, in in that kind of position where like what money i make supports a lot of people yeah never been there However, I have to wonder, like, if there's, like, 14 women all cleaning houses in this one, and all apparently live in this one house, like, can't they work, like, a 30, 40-hour work week? Do they have to work 90 hours a week or whatever? Like, or she's, like, literally going to bed and waking up at 5 a.m. to do the job. Like, it's just, the the family dynamics are, 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 like, just there to, like, really, like, instigate that there's like painful drudgery going on and that she is like hand to mouth constantly which yeah. i think it, get, it gets across but it's just it's just funny when like 
when when you're not grabbed by a concept immediately in a movie like this, yeah, and you're not clicking with a concept immediately, you start asking stupid questions. Um, cause that's how these movies work. Like they're supposed to be using shorthand to get you where you're going. And then eventually, oh, I, you built to something really emotionally complex or, you know, maybe even, even philosophically complex, like with the matrix. Um, but you don't, it doesn't build to anything. So you're just like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Well, it's also a lot of times they show this at the beginning of a movie because at the end of the movie, you know, in this type of movie, they're going to be the queen or going to be, have their whole world. And the end of this movie, like Lark was saying earlier, like fundamentally nothing's changed because she owns the earth, but she owns it to harvest it, which she's not going to do. So like she's not we're not seeing all this stuff to see here's what she came from. Here's where she's going to go. It's like here's where she came from and here's where she's going to return to plus one dog boyfriend. Yeah, does she even get like a cool like apartment in Paris? Like yeah. does she have like all these random properties around the world like the like the British royal family has? It's, it's just one deed. Just earth. Well, I mean, she controls enough aliens that they can rebuild a plant. Like these people can rebuild plant, like rebuild buildings immediately and all this stuff. Like, can't they yeah. just like fabricate yeah. another? <laughs> can you just give us another floor? You re- yeah, you rebuilt like, the Willis Tower I, in twenty two minutes. Like, yeah. I bet you, like the Chilean president has like a pretty nice New York apartment, right? Like, no. what does she get out of this? Anything? Yeah. Is there like that'd be awesome if there was a scene where they took her to like a mountaintop in the Himalayas and she had like a palace there? <laughs> it's like you could live there, but instead the stakes are just sort of like. You're really important. You're like so important. If you ever decided to sell out the earth, you would be rich. <laughs> yeah. It's structured like a Twilight Zone episode where she's being punished for wanting to not work horribly. Like Rod Serling should have come out and like a young woman not happy with her job, but she's going to find a much worse job, Queen of Space, tonight on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're right. It's a lesson that if you wanted to be queen of space, a lot of contracts, yeah, a lot of power disputes, a lot of bullshit. marrying your son. Yeah. Um. Uh, but okay. So yeah. Uh. Regardless, she there's a there's a, a situation happens where for some reason when she's going to the egg donation place, she uses a fake name, which means that uh, a bunch of alien greys go and. Um, abduct her friend because her, she used her friend's name, Catherine, whatever. Yeah. And they oh, take a blood sample from her. Okay. <clears throat> they take a blood sample from her friend and they go, mm, we don't like this blood. This is nobody's blood. Yeah. And um, what really happened was her blood popped in the system. It fired off some sort of genetic trigger. Which when she did the initial testing for for giving eggs, giving eggs, she but she gave her friend's numerous name. blood tests. Yeah, yeah. But the blood test would have been under Catherine's name or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so Catherine gets let go after the Greys like give her the amnesia amnesia wave or whatever, and then um, but she she texts a picture. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Which um, goes to no end. Like doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She yeah. sees the picture a second before it happens in real life. Yes, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like that joke about what is that it buys you like a second. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it does it does fire a second, but then like it doesn't actually matter to the plot because no. she finds out the greys are real. They amnesia her. She takes a picture of it. There's a picture of it in her phone. The greys don't like steal her phone or whatever. Um, and then she goes to donate her eggs, and the greys are all dressed as humans and try and kill her. And then 
uh, werewolf um, roller skater guy comes in and uh, shoots uh, all the greys. And um, before we get away. to th- before we, uh, that, the uh, the first half of the hospital sequence was genuinely upsetting. Like when she gets like is already worried about it and then like gets restrained. Like oh my god, not a fan. Yeah. Yeah, gross. I actually think like I actually that's that's one of the moments in the movie where I was like, if this was like a rated R, a little bit more mature take on the material, but still like like jet setting, like it's still yeah. about like yeah. blasting around space in your jetpack. Yeah. I I would love this, like where they actually like kind of leaned a little the bit scene. of body but horror type a, stuff. Yeah, yeah, because like that that was something the Matrix had that gross sequence with the the, and the, the squid. Hitting. Yeah, yep, yep, and then yeah, the mouth. So yeah, that stuff was that stuff was great. Um, but I also think it's just really I understand they're greys and they're you know future aliens doing cool stuff to kill someone, but it it would have been nice if like maybe one of them just like oh this is her and just grabbed a hammer. That was they're really, yeah. They're doing a lot of fancy stuff to take her out when there's eight of them and she's passed out in this room floating above. It's like we gotta kill her the special space way. <laughs> yeah, gray, yeah, exactly. Gray's never like pull out a Glock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I so I, I part of this like. It feels, and we talked a little bit about this, like some of this stuff is like pulpy and goofy enough to, to theoretically almost be like a, not a bordering on a parody or a kind of a jokey version of some of this. And I like the grays, I think is a really good example of that. Like, oh, this idea that, that essentially these, these corporations, this family uses like a men in black force that's made up of the aliens uh, that we know as greys to put things back together and to execute their plans. Like that's a funny pulpy idea that they don't, nothing is ever pulpy enough to feels like it's really riding on this. So it, it seems like it comes off as like a half baked idea that they don't do enough with. I, I Okay. So <clears throat> this is one of those things. It's very hard for, you know, if we're talking about why this movie doesn't work as a franchise starter, it's actually very hard to leave the proper amount of detail in world building that like you're like that's a cool idea but like let's move on like let's keep yeah. moving i can chew on that later when i watch this on tv in six years you know i can i can think about it more later um but the right the right amount of detail where where it matters is a whole thing the other the thing that i want to come back to is like the reason the wachowski sisters are famous is because they made a movie that was a grab bag movie it took mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern mysticism, kung fu, John Woo gunfights, um, uh, <laughs> Transmetropolitan, like a bunch of like Grant Morrison yeah. and other like comic books that sort of it ripped off of, um, and sort of made like a um, leather fetish. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's an important like, part of the bag. <laughs> leather fetish cyberpunk um, movie um, about rebellion and what is reality. And made it into like a mind fuck sci-fi martial arts movie. Like once a creative team can codify something like this into gold uh, and find the right team, like Bill Pope uh, did the, the photography, um, which made everything feel important in the Matrix. Like every single shot felt important. Um, y- y- you've got something there where it's like, yeah, just let these creatives do whatever the hell they want, right? Um, you kind of have to trust them that like that like all these disparate elements are going to come together into synergy. Um, 
it doesn't happen here. Some of it is the photography. I think it's a little generic looking. Um, it, it tries too hard to just be sort of like a, fl a flighty space opera. Like, let's go from scene to scene. But, like, the scenes that actually have to, like, work dramatically, like, it's nothing. It's just, like, these sort of flat one-shots with, like, a lot of lights and colors going on and, and nothing sinks in. Um, a lot of the things have, like, a very Melania Trump aesthetic. You know, like the Melania <laughs> Trump uh, Christmas tree photo. That was yeah. kind of yes. the vibe that the Abrasix family has. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're sort of space goths. Yeah. Um, yeah. In downtown Chicago, have you seen a goth Target? No. Um, you got to gotta Google pictures of goth Target in downtown Chicago. Uh, that is the, the Abrasix family right. uh, aesthetic. That is just it's my like... high school experience being a goth Target and being a target of goths. <laughs> uh, really, it went both ways. No matter how you interpret it, it's accurate. But... Uh... <laughs> Live by the nose ring, die by the nose ring. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the the, the sort of like uh, dripping ornateness, but also it's goth because um, yeah. they're because they're evil. Um, mashing these aesthetics together would very often be uh, like this this beautiful, cool piece of synergy. But when this uh, werewolf guy on hover boots flies into an operating room and blows away a bunch of like classic like almost like x-files level grays yeah. xcom um, i feel like xcom is what i was thinking of yeah. they're, they're, yeah. they're little they're little guys, guys. Yeah, they're and right. they kind of move yeah. around like they're taking turns yeah. i don't know whenever yes. they move yeah, they i heard cover. like the wah, wah, yeah. wah, wah, noise yeah you're right and the guns are like seem like too heavy for them to carry yeah 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 little arms you're absolutely correct it's, it's more xcom than x-files um but uh i mean there's bees in both <laughs> oh yeah you gotta fight the future yeah bees play a heavy role in both but not in a way i can explain well in either <laughs> jupiter wants to fight the future in that she doesn't want to see the second or third act of this movie look look from jupiter ascending to the x-files to the worst mfa uh mfa project i've ever seen that i had to go to if you put bees in your movie it's a mistake <laughs> it's because bees are so dramatic yeah they take I'd all the attention. With, I'd rather work with goats than a bee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so what happens? I mean, they'll give you some buzz, but I don't know. Okay. She, okay. So hospital <laughs> scene. We were on right. Yeah, hospital, sliding around. The hospital, yeah. Peter. We can kind of we can kind of move along, but the, yeah. the the point is that she gets rescued by uh, a uh, werewolf, like Canton, who's a werewolf hybrid created for the military, named Cade Wise. He's a bounty hunter now. He has a blonde goatee. Um. He's Channing Tatum. He has dyed, he has dyed blonde eyebrows, too. Yes. Yeah. So it's if you're not familiar with Channing Tatum looks like, picture a hunk and then make him 20% dumber looking, but like in a sweet way. Yeah. Um, And he's a product of a splicer, which is also part of the overall world building that oh, yeah. like there's these like... A They're doing a lot of things with Jews. Yeah. And so like if there's a weird looking guy in this movie, you'd be like, that was a splicer. Classic splicer. Yeah, splicer. definitely. Yeah. Um... And um, he's sort of a furry by committee because he has the sharp teeth because, like, that's, you know, part of the fetish is like, ooh, he can give me a little nibble. Um, but he doesn't, he's not, like, head-to-toe furry. You know, this is not like Diane Arbus. No, he's Deanne mostly Arbus. Channing Tatum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's mostly Channing Tatum, but with a few. And then he's got he's got the ears. Mm -hmm. um, which, which Channing also... Tatum kept, apparently. <laughs> I, i'm not kidding i've read that somewhere <laughs> i mean also if he just shows up to random movies yeah. with them on 
It'll usually I'll give fit. them back once they give me my residuals. <laughs> That's Magic Mike three. Yeah, it's him demanding. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like a werewolf by committee because it's like it's not quite the whole fetish, but there's like these little details and like there's all these stories like oh he tore out uh. Eddie Redmayne's throat. Yeah, that's, that's supposed to be Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne that he tore out his throat, right? No. Okay. Because they don't explicitly say that. I, they just keep saying he no. tore out a royal's throat, right? Yeah. yeah. And then when he gets really pissed, his vocal cords are fine. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, the royal didn't die. Um, so his, part of his backstory is when he was serving with uh, Scene Bean himself, um, he uh tore out a royal's throat because he has an inherent distrust of royals because this movie kind of hints at being like um more like working class and anti anti yeah. elitism and anti-royalist just um, a slight dip above the surface of those messages yeah where it's like it it, it feigns being per, uh, working class in a way that like i think other wachowski movies do a better job of um and uh one of them is that, like, yeah, the reason you know Kane Wise rules is because he doesn't like royals. Um, he and growls he, in their presence. He growls in their presence. And what he, he, uh, he lost his wings, and Scene Bean lost his wings, too, um, uh, for standing up for him or whatever when they were in the Yeah, space I think military. they denied Jesus, too. Mm. Yeah, they. Is that, they is go- that dogma? <laughs> <laughs> or was it yeah yeah i think that's i think that's true um i think it's the same special effects guy with the yes i do love yeah, this yeah. like there's this basic human instinct when you imagine some like to imagine people with wings and then get pissed off and want them cut off it's like you made this up like why are you yeah. so mad at it's like the ultimate making up a guy to get mad at like i'll show those imaginary people who have wings we're gonna fucking carve them off <laughs> you don't need to you do know, this <clears throat> It's like some people, like, you know, I imagine some people like bird hunting because, you know, it's hunting something that's like uh, operating in a 3D space. So you have to kind of judge distance and whatever. Like, is it called bird hunting? Bird hunting. Yeah. I think it's like shooting, right? Do you hunt the bird? Yeah. Bird hunting. Yeah. I I do think I've heard bird shooting more. I'm going to be honest with you. Birding um, is watching, is looking at birds. Yeah, it is. It is it <laughs> Not is if you have a gun. Um, but um, for for, uh, for uh, bird hunting, um, they uh, you, you some people like it because you're like you're like hunting in a three D space and you're kind of like you know you're trying to um, uh, calculate your distance and it's not something that's purely on the ground, right? That the wings are part of the, the math. Um, but some people uh, like bird hunting because they um, think that flying is an affront against God and that uh, yep. uh, beings were meant to be terrestrial mm-hmm. uh, and that no animal that has not accepted Lord uh, Jesus into their heart can um, fly so close to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should buy those people Dark Souls 2. <laughs> 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 All right, so... <laughs> So he, they go to the they they meet. That they that, that reminds cute. me. I do have it. I think if I had a hundred million dollars, I would do a Dark Souls crossed with I, Honey. I shrunk. I, I shrunk myself. Like where it's a Dark Souls style thing, but like every boss is just like a bird or something that's like a normal <laughs> size. Like you have to fight a Roomba and it's like a three stage fight or something like that. That's that's my dream project right now. Oh no, he got charged. Like it has yes. all the it has all yeah. the inscrutable like lore, but it's just about like the fan like the parents divorcing or whatever. <laughs> I have played quite a lot of Dark Souls clones, and I can tell you, I would play that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, they. The, I, 
I do want to see Rick Moranis in that. Uh, in that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's implied. Yes. Yeah. He's the final um, boss <laughs> with his little hat and the giant glass. <laughs> um all right so we got to move a little bit faster yeah. basically uh these two goofs uh his goal is to get kane wise's goal is to get um uh mila kunis to some Sean sort Bean. of like central city um like neutral ground uh so that she can claim her her birthright and then um the uh that? abraxas no he was originally trying to bring her to the orgy brother right well, yeah, the, the orgy brother hired her for hired yes, him first. Yes, That's how he got right. out of prison. I don't think I don't think he knows what's going. on. Yeah, for a not while. until the bees. And then at, after, at some point, he does take her to yeah, uh, Terry. Uh, but here's the thing: why? Why? Oh, okay. So one of Brax's brother, um, Eddie Redmayne, is trying to hunt and kill her. The other one, Douglas Booth, Titus, Lord Titus. I remember that because he has a tight ass. Um, he uh, he's an hedonist. Um, there's a really great shot. I, I like it's one of the only really amazing shots in the movie of um, Titus having an orgy, and it's yeah. a 3D orgy in space. And it forms this sort of like star pattern. Um, but it's cool. it's also like a completely chased orgy. Like it's all kissing. Yeah, cause, it's all kissing. Yeah, it's all <laughs> it's, no, it's uh, not even kissing. It's a lot of just like touching hair. It's like music video. Like yeah. it's it's very good. Yeah, yeah it's a Dark like, Souls boss. They're, yes, exactly. Yeah. They're leaving space the for the Holy reborn. Spirit. It's undeniable. Yeah, you're right. I obviously the shot would work better if um, everyone were nude and fucking. Yeah, but yeah. probably uh, want to watch it with my daughter. Yeah, probably not. Uh, alas, it is the PG-13 version yeah. of this. Um, so. Titus is trying to bring her back so she he can steal her birthright. Um, and uh, Lord Balam, uh, which is Eddie Redmayne, is like, I just want her dead. I just, I just want mommy dead. Because um, he killed mommy in the first place. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, yeah. Which is like a quasi-secret that also everyone knows all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like with most royals where you're like, well, this prince is obviously but you're just not allowed to say it in their presence <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah so uh, eddie redmayne talks like this and then when he gets True. really mad he yells like this <laughs> yeah yep. it's uh it's my favorite performance in the movie uh honestly yeah. and like it is like I'll say this. I think Mila Kunis, Sean Bean, who's probably actually like the best traditional performance in the movie, mm-hmm. and Channing Tatum are all just kind of playing their their stock characters. Like, and at least Eddie Redman, Red, Red, Eddie Redmayne. God damn it, that's a tough name apparently to say if you say it over and over. Um, is like doing something that's supposed to be as pulpy and as theatrical as a lot of the visuals and what we're doing. I'm not saying it works. He's literally half of his scenes were with a fucking gargoyle. Like, why wouldn't he? Yeah, go like, a little camp. I'm not saying it works, but I'm no. saying it works in a movie that everyone is doing this. <laughs> you know why the choice was made? Yeah, um, I get. Like, I get it. I wake up and I. 
I don't think Eddie Redmayne is like a fantastic actor. Um, the last time I remember being like really impressed by him is he's really good in The Good Shepherd, um, the CIA movie. Um, the De Niro but, movie. Yeah. Okay. From like two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen years ago. Um, but uh, I was gonna say uh, that was like the last time I remember being really impressed by him. Um, mm-hmm. and he's made a bunch of bad bad movies and bad interviews about those movies. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, so I'm not totally judging him for that, but like here at least, I'm judging him for that outside of this context, but just in this context, I'm not judging him for that. Uh, I think that he's doing something that is like at least like a villain performance. I yeah. One of my issues that I have is that he does that, he does that, he does that, and then he just turns into like a fairly traditional villain once the climax comes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he's, he, he like, is just like kind of just doing villain speeches at her without figuring out how to escalate that character. And I think that's a little lame, but like, you're right. Like this is a huge universe, but where like everybody kind of acts according to stereotype. And everyone else is acting on a CW show. Yeah, like, very CW. Yeah, that Douglas Booth in particular is yeah. basically playing like if um a, a Riverdale uh teen well and the sister an too master. right the the sister an, an too is girl. like just kind of barely present yeah yeah Vampire Diaries extra yeah like yes absolutely absolutely correct uh Tuppence Middleton um who ha- also has like a name that's preposterous very... name yeah. It's a, real, it's not a name. real uh space empire name maybe they yeah, only yeah. hired people me look yeah a lot, channing tatum sounds like a guy in a sci-fi fan. Yeah, yeah all their names are, um, <laughs> they could have just like, used their real names yeah Ch- channing. Channing, you know how, you, you, you like there's like um like blooming onion and uh was it patatas bravas like there's different names for food and you're like oh yeah. that's an onion that those are potatoes. Channing Tatum does sound like a, a specific type of potato, right? Like like an Australian potato I that's served. Yes, maybe or one that I have to spend too much money for at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it? Oh, sorry. Channing sounds fancy. Tatum sounds like the potato. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that actually is true. Um, I was just thinking <laughs> that a, a really good Twitter handle, not a really good, but a successful Twitter handle handle would be Carol Channing Tatum. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's These the time to invest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To get get your Twitter Blue subscription. Oh, with... for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So they, yeah, they go back to Sean. <laughs> the so they go back to Sean. Sean Bean, and I think, I think the Sean Bean scene though is like. Not only are Lark, you said that bees don't put bees in your movie. Don't. If you want to make an internet meme of how stupid something is, I think, because this is the second movie in the last two years, Peter, where obviously the other one being the the Wicker Man mm-hmm. with Can't the bees, find a Wicker Man <laughs> with the bees being the big joke, and that that was the here the they I so the thing I don't get so at Sean Bean's house there's beehives everywhere, and they see Myla Kunis and they're like or Jupiter, and they're like all pretend they're her they they flock to her like she's their queen and they're like bees can detect royalty which is the part of the movie where my wife looked at me like is this movie supposed to be good (laughs) um because she was she was just like 
wait, is this this feels stupid. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Bees are um, genetically designed to recognize royalty. It's a short bean line. Yeah, but is that why he has hives everywhere in his house? Because is he part bee? But is he doing that because in case royalty were to show up, they'd be able to de- detect is a, it? Is he a bee splice? I think I saw that somewhere. Uh, like in like in passing, someone described him as a bee splice. Um, but like I don't remember that li- from the he's movie. Not a Lycanton. No. Yeah. He doesn't have a goatee. Like just a cop. Wouldn't it be funny if he was like a full like a bee hybrid, but he also had angel wings? Like then they're like working <laughs> in directly opposite ways. Like. <laughs> honestly though it's one of those things they're half committed they're Mm. half in the bag if he was really a bee hybrid he would have some sort of bomb on his ass and that at the end of the movie he would spend it by blowing up somebody with his bomb ass give sean bean a thorax that's all i'm saying (laughs) you want to make a good fetish movie give that man a thorax give give my man a thorax all right he played 006 alex trevelyan he's earned it so um, what i really honestly joke, like behind this really good, there's no I'm, we're not going to come back to this a really good joke in this movie where they're like gonna get into the deep lore and he brings her back in the house and he's about to open up like a hologram ipad thing oh yeah and then the thing shorts <laughs> out and he goes he goes like goddamn budget cuts i thought that was a great <laughs> moment, yeah i love that, that. i love good. it because yeah. i was like no don't give me lore don't give me lore and then the movie was like we're not gonna do that I think that's like that's the Wachowski sisters being like very cute and funny, and I wanted that see that type of humor expanded out a little bit, but yeah. just not marvelified, you know. Yeah, so she they don't protect her though because she gets kidnapped. She does get kidnapped by her sister first. Wait, her daughter. Her daughter. Her daughter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Tuppy. Yeah, go ahead. You you go, Peter. Kalit Kalika Brass ex, uh, explains. Um, Hold on, did you just have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, it really bothered me that they kept saying Abrasix, but then I looked it up and actually Abrasix is the original spelling before Abraxas. So, uh, oh, thank you. Cause yeah. I kept saying Abraxas, Abraxas the whole movie, and then at the end of it, I just couldn't. I eventually I couldn't ignore the fact that it was not Abraxas. It's um, um, it's actually another astrology thing. It has something to do with the order of the planets. Um, but yeah, and it's a good word. It's like the order of the seven planets Florida. they knew at the time, or something like that. I don't know. There's something weird about it, but it it is capital S symbolic. Yeah, there's um, and then uh, what was going to say is in Mandy they use uh, the horn of Abraxas. Yeah, um, yeah. just as like a cool word to drop. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they they drop Abraxas as a term in these movies sometimes just yeah. to sound cool, and, and it kind of works. The house of Abra- the house of Abraxas sounds really good. What about a a, um, a serious man? I don't want Santana Abraxas. <laughs> <laughs> Except the mystery. Um. But yeah, uh, I was gonna say, uh, Tuppence Middleton basically explains that she has like a, um, a an infinity pool, so to speak, uh, that makes her alive forever. Um, she well, that's in, she's and, the one that explains everything. She's like, "You're you're a mother. You died mysteriously. Yeah. Every once in a while, there's a clone. We don't know why, but you're legally you are required. You you get everything that my mother would get, which is gonna piss off." my brothers because they kind of wanted some of your stuff yeah it's like the few times in a movie where someone has a scheduled info dump like it's like the Mm -hmm. whole whole thing is like all right you need to be in my office at 8 30 and i'll explain to you what's going on (laughs) like it's a very weird vibe why why did i come here we could have done this on the phone 
<laughs> it's gonna have been an email also also funny to me so she every time you see her previously in the movie and up to this she looks old do you think and she says eventually that getting um getting or refreshed or whatever or dropping uh, years off your life to your default perfect genealogical age or whatever um is like changing a light bulb um but she's been living as an old person for presumably decades. Did she just do this so she could, like, have a little show for her I mom? think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just like, oh, you know what? I'll get or is she like me and she just put it off for 40 years? <laughs> that <laughs> I means she looks old like she's in her late 30s. Yeah. <laughs> that part where they explained that like you have an ideal mental self that like you replicate was the most trans part of the whole movie. I was like, oh, trans people yeah. made this. Like, obviously. <laughs> obviously obviously um that is uh yeah that there is like some sort of like body transformation stuff in this movie that's like very very fascinating but the movie just screams past it so fast and i was Mm -hmm. like i was like would this be better as like a part one part two kind of deal and like they really like kind of sit and like have real dramatic moments and like recast some characters like yeah or is this movie better as just sort of like a like snappy one and done thing like would i but even that, watch it if it were a two two-part thing well i just think like it, maybe they could have developed something because it, it feels like i know they had a plans for a part two but like so we're we're an hour to get to this point where she meets her daughter they explain everything that's going on they explain the factions like everything that was hinted at not you know it's just like here, here's what's going on and then from here like the plot is so like every once in a while they cut to eddie redmayne who's like scheming with his lizard people and stealing families and and doing other things but the the plot is literally we need to first take you to get to the bureaucratic center to get scanned to prove that you to get your stamp to prove that you're the genetic equal of the mother You're, you're the mother reincarnated so that's the scene then it's with the other brother the cw kid who's like hey if you actually want to protect earth marry me and i know it's your mother but in in our culture marriage isn't about sex it's about property exchange and solidifying trade treaties and stuff like that and then, this was also like, very Dooney for me. Like, like it's essentially but it's like, like not old, interesting. Like, it's, it's like a it's, medieval style like it's, a view of everything. Even so more, even more like so even more than Dune, it's Frozen. It's just the plot yeah. of Frozen. That's yeah, true. yeah. But um, it also like because Mila Mila Kunis is like, isn't it weird? You want to marry your mom, and then they explain it, and she's like, okay. Like, yeah, I was already into stuff with my second cousin, so, like, this isn't that much of an extra step. Like, <laughs> yeah. it kind of makes sense. I was prepared for the Oedipal. Uh, do you want, yeah, do you want Dark Souls 2? <laughs> like, I can, I, can, I can get that arranged for you as well. It, but it, it is just so, like, she, they're just giving her all this information, and she just, do, like, is like, oh, okay. Is this how I keep Earth safe? Sure, whatever. Like, she, her entire character just feels like so whatever. And at this point, Channing Tatum is also, like, trying to get back to her and is locked in a prison. I, there's so many, like, Lark, when you said they have the same climax, like, twice yeah. in over 20 minutes. Like, and both times he's captured and comes back. Like, I, I, I think my brain, like, started being like, I, you really have to focus because I don't care. 
Yeah. So basically, yeah. Um, I can actually get us through the two climaxes. Good. Yeah, so describe them at the same time. It saves time. Yeah. There. I can. Um, so there's one one um, brother, uh, Douglas is uh, sorry, not Douglas. Sorry, one brother, Titus uh, is. He has a tight ass. Uh, you said this yourself. He's got a tight ass. He doesn't have a Douglas. He doesn't have a Doug ass. <laughs> um, he's trying to like steal her power and then kill her right after the wedding. And there's actually like a fair, fairly nice looking sequence uh, on the ship where she's like wearing like a pretty cool like wedding dress. It kind of looks like a runway fashion kind of thing. It's got all these like red kind of blood blood beetle things in her hair, or whatever. And uh, they're surrounded by like robots because they're like this is a political marriage. There's no reason for people to be here. It's a fairly nice looking sequence. Kane comes in, rescues her, um, and he uh, Kane's like, "Can I shoot him?" She's like, "No, we're, we want to have a sequel." Um, and then, uh, um, and then they they get out, and then she somehow gets taken by. She like goes back to Earth. Her family was taken. She gets taken by the other brother. Like pretty quickly after, yeah. Kane has to come in and try and rescue her. They spend a lot more money on the sequence, but it's essentially the same thing is happening. There's more guards to kill and such. Um, but and the ship explodes, and so there's like the ship blowing up yeah. sequence. Yeah. So the the climax really takes place on in the eye of Jupiter, um, and there's like a mining operation, whatever that um, Eddie Redmayne is running, uh, Lord Balam is running, and um, he's basically saying like, sign this all away. It's a very confusing final moment yeah. because he's not actually offering her. Anything. Anything. Just the family doesn't die. That was all she. He, like he, she's not even. He's not even saying like, "Hey, I'll give you this this little moon. It's very Earth like. You and your family could live there forever. You'll have a palace." But like, I have Earth. Yeah, all you and I, I won't. Me- I won't harvest it until everyone you know is dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. I, yeah. Like I can wait a generation, and yeah, everyone you like. He's not making a compelling offer. He's just like, you need to sign this over to me. Uh, and do it now or your family dies and she's like aren't they gonna die anyways like and she rightly kind of calls him out in this where she's just like yeah i guess if it saves if it saves the earth like me and my family will die um which would be an interesting choice if we had seen her make literally any choices prior and then she doesn't and then the choice actually doesn't stick because this is an action movie, right? Like she's not <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna save Earth, right? Every once in a while she makes a choice, but her only choice is to not do anything, which just makes her seem very lazy. Like she's like, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Like her her entire she's like Bartleby. Like she's just being <laughs> she she's just getting Melville across the cosmos. Well, even yeah. the thing even the thing at the end where she's like, wait, so if I don't sign this, you can kill me, but then the space cops will make sure you never have the Earth, which makes no goddamn sense for everything we knew from before. Yeah. Because the whole reason that he killed the mom is so he could, like, if the if the owner of the property dies, the property doesn't stay in their name post death, and no one gets to touch it. That's what they just did the whole other thing for. I think so. She's like, if you kill me. You will never get Earth because you won't get the. Pro- and I'm like, well, he got it the last time. I think. What are you talking? I think about? there's implied to be some sort of like space detective who, like, the way that they keep talking, like, that no space cops ever really show up except for like the yeah. the the Normandy at the end. But um, yeah. the uh, in general, like when when she's, I texted you when she's like, my mother when he's like, your uh, she was murdered, and he, so she's like, they ever find out who did it? Like, that's not like <laughs> like it's like. 
a fucking oh, weird. New York City home invasion. Like, I don't know. It's Should so we do weird. a true crime podcast? Yeah. It makes me think that, like, there's... It's just hot goss. Yeah. yeah. So it makes me assume that there's, like, a Columbo off who's, like, going to invalidate the will. Be like, if, if it's too obvious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also think, like, during the climax of a movie, it's generally good practice um, that if you're going to kidnap a character and put their death on the line... To not make all of those characters insufferable and cruel and annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a way to go. Because then I was just like, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess all these characters are going to die, but I guess I won't be harvested for rich people juice. So. You were kind of happy that, like, the whole family's going to get taken out? Like, tell me more. <laughs> those dinner sequences were not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this family seems generally unpleasant. Yeah. Um, I but, bet more cleaning gets done now that the. <laughs> third-rate russian mafia isn't controlling ships yeah like this is a thing that, like action movie directors in the 90s understood people much much dumber than the wachowski sisters which is like uh we're gonna make the daughter cute for like yeah you know 15 minutes and then you're gonna be like i want that daughter to not be murdered by gangsters like yeah. there's a the, the best one ever is in a not amazing movie but in rush hour um the little girl is introduced she sings a Mariah Carey song for like a minute and a half in the car. And you're like, this is adorable. I love her so much. And then she gets abducted and you're like, she needs to come home right away. We need to call Jackie Chan right now. We need to get her home. She needs to finish that song. Like, yeah. um, you can do this really quickly. Like you can make people like characters in like a minute. It's, it doesn't take that much. You can also make us hate them for yeah. in like and be okay 30 seconds. That. You could do it really. You could do that even faster, technically. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, the ship blows up, and Kane saves her again. It is kind of funny that like it, it is such a cool um, way. Like the station is very well, like looks super cool. Yes. But it also immediately like the movie does not shy away from how architecturally unsound it is because it like <laughs> takes one dude with hover boots and it's like, it's like all gone. Um, yeah. I, maybe, we didn't talk much about the special the... effects, but, like, any sequence of, like, like I love that scene of the ship emerging from, I think, the rings of Saturn yeah. or the rings of something. Like, those sequences look amazing. The... Like, they're great. But then when they get, I feel like when they get in interiors, for the most part, it's, like, flat uh, blue screen or green screen in a way. Not And I obviously that was their technique in... Uh, speed racer and i think it worked really well there but here because you have such i think um bad performances i guess like the bad performance against what's like uh it feels a little like episode two attack of the clones it was very prequels yeah 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 it's 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 not just that like okay so some of the designs are actually pretty cool which is also true in the prequels like i like some of the ships are kind of cool looking and stuff um the Design. It doesn't matter if a ship's also a movie about cool. trade. Uh, trade, of course. <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter if a design looks cool. Um, if when it's in action, um, there's no dynamism between like what's happening. Like, yeah. what's what is the space we're occupying? Who is shooting at who? What do I want to happen here? Like basic sort of action stuff that is like very much beneath the skill level of the wachowski sisters like they've proven themselves before this and after this to be excellent at this um uh 
are just gone and i don't know if they needed like a fight choreographer or stuff for some of the in-person stuff but a lot of it is just flippy floppy in a way that like honestly i was like most of this could pass as like a marvel fight scene like just sort of serviceable you know bright colors get flashed at you like i don't know there's that slap i think mila kunis snap slaps Channing, T- I don't remember who she slaps, but it is a WWE level fake take. Like, like it, it's really how bad. Like he was trying to sell it. Is yeah, it's more fun. It's Too Eddie much. Redmayne, right? Because she oh, that's yeah. the line where she says, "She says I'm not your damn mother." Yeah. And also, like, does this movie drop the f bomb at any point? No. Yeah, I was thinking she said "fucking mother," but that's uh, the ring too. <laughs> I was oh, I was I was incorporating right. elements from of. the ring too. Yeah, I'm totally thinking of that. Why? But like, when would like? There's so many sequences where like you can make me like her by just letting her have the soul f bomb. It has good power yeah. in a PG-13 movie. Um, well, they had the hair rubbing orgy. So that yeah, you, you either get the hair rubbing orgy or one f bomb. <laughs> you, you either get people who's you either get people's scalps being exfoliated or you get the one f bomb. So. Yeah. You get what you get. Um, I in the middle of there, the one thing we skipped over is that there's an entire riff on uh, Brazil, and then oh Terry God. Gilliam is just yeah, in the movie. he's just there. I really yeah. loved Bob. I thought like having his face Bob. a little off was so funny. The way he shoots out the he shoots out the bribe is hysterical. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> the, the best. The guy in the chest. The, yeah. <laughs> it was... yeah, I that, did like that. That like sequence moments... is great. Like, but again, it, it's it. I think Brazil's the right touch point for like feeling like they're going to hit that Brazil level of like commentary on some stuff. And it's just, it's just a graze. Like, I mean, I, I, it's not that good filmmakers or the Wachowskis are can't make a bad movie, but it's, this does seem like weird for, for a $200 million movie. It feels like a combination of one or two things, either that their, their, their hearts weren't really in it. And, they put this all these different pieces together, which they've done for other movies too. But ultimately, like at the end of the day, it just didn't. They didn't have the same passion behind it or whatever else, or just enough things didn't go right in the making of it. Whether it's casting or takes weren't working or special effects didn't quite work. like some combination of things that like what they what their vision wasn't replicated on screen. And I, I don't know which one it is, but it feels like one of those two. Either their hearts weren't in it. I think their hearts were in it. I just think that, like, they couldn't find a way to sell it. And some part of me... I, I like Matrix Resurrections quite a bit. Um, Lark, have you seen Matrix Resurrections yet? Um, You should you should watch it. It's good. It's, it's it has really a good. lot of really fun, like, just cyberpunk, like, um, pl- playfulness and metatextual playfulness mm-hmm. with what the previous movies were. I that's think, I think I, it nails that well. That's what I've heard. Um, it does seem to dial down the leather fetishism. Yeah, no, it's a tragedy. I think, I think, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's very much um, a, more about we don't want to make another Matrix movie, yeah. which I like it for that. Yeah, that uh, I think they had kind of moved on in their life. Maybe their maybe their leather fetish was just a passing phase. Uh, I mean, all the Matrix movies are pretty committed to it. That was a while. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. We've I mean, all got yeah. a leather phase. Okay? In between Reloaded and Revolutions, they can't start wearing bomber jackets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that cotton? Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. That's how you can tell that they're all medicated. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
the uh the the, the thing about uh this is that like i do think that having like a good um cinematographer that they're like really like love working with and can really like mel- help make the, their ideas into um help make their ideas into something solid and graspable for the audience is huge because like the bill pope uh cinematography in the first three matrix movies makes even the silliest idea like the key master carrying around that ring of keys into this thing of just like power you're like yes i want you to get where you need to go like with this weird object whereas in this like almost none of the objects have any sort of like lingering power in your brain and some of that is sort of iconographic or you know at like actually like um like the core idea isn't interesting and some of it's like i don't know i feel like channing tatum as a werewolf with rocket boots should be should like stick in my brain more like him yeah. bouncing off of walls like but like the the cinematography and, and the fight choreography is just not it's not particularly compelling and that's why we haven't talked about it much yeah. and there's a lot in this movie that's like easy to mock silliness this is one of those movies that gets covered on every bad movie podcast and they're like oh my god can you believe they said the stupid line and they said isn't that stupid line so stupid like i don't actually like i mean those those lines are stupid and they're worth like laughing about but like the i didn't want to like dwell on that the whole time and i'm glad we didn't do that because the real problem with this movie is not the silliness it's the genericness that surrounds the silliness and then it makes you fixate on those weird sort of like the bees line it makes you fixate on that bees line for like five minutes because it's there's like a whole cornfield shootout afterwards that's kind of just like yeah the the generic parts of it and the i think the unwillingness to fully commit to the silliness like it's it it has its it has its like foot in like yes this is going to be a blown up space opera our take on that um but it's also going to be campy. But if you, the problem is like, if you don't commit to campy, it really just seems like bad choices. I think is the right way to put it. And like, they don't seem to commit to that, that tone. So the, the funny examples of like Sean Bean being like, Oh shoot, this broke. I guess we don't have time for this. Or some of the more like jokey, jokey uh, designs or like goofy things like it feels like if they would have went full goofy, but I think you're there's too much of this. I think you're supposed to take seriously and being invested in that you're you just aren't because it's not interesting enough. It feels like the cinematography is like a they went for like a Marvel level. This is like an action sci fi movie. Yeah. It feels like they really though. needed someone that would lean into the camp of it. Yeah. yeah. That Chicago sequence, I remember reading about <laughs> that it took them six months to shoot because um, the Wachowskis really wanted to shoot it at that very particular time of night where, like, the sky is, like, really deep blue. But they found that that was six minutes. And so they just kept, oh, no. like, having to use every every day they would use the same six minutes to try to shoot it and put it all together. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's, like, Terry, uh, not Terry Gilliam, sorry, um that's um uh yeah uh, the guy the uh days of heaven days of heaven guy terrence malick Malick, yeah magic hour but that's a whole hour you can call him terry malick i mean i don't know a different terry um but yeah it's a terrence malick thing but instead it's like you're burning tens of thousands of dollars every day when crews aren't shooting anything yeah and if you make knight of cups Yes. yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that movie, they could have just set m- money on fire and it would have been fine, right? Yeah. I think that is what they did, too. Um, I would also say that, like, I think 
when I watch newer sci-fi, anything new, any new epic film, this might be too inside baseball, but anything in 235.1 doesn't look cool anymore. Like 235.1 does not mean epic. It means Netflix to me. Like you're, I, you're, you're very right. I also, yeah. I've been watching a lot of these epic, epic big movies recently. And like some of them lack a lot of like texture. Um, and one thing that I noticed is Andor has a tactility in a TV space that this movie never has because so much of what people are doing is about practical objects. It's not just about guns and there's actual knobs on the spaceships or whatever, but it's about they, they, they would go and shoot in like a place in Iceland and they would like build a little camp there and shoot entire sequences that do not have any green screen in it. Like, <laughs> um, like the tactility really matters to make things feel cool right and what you're talking about is is true as well like sometimes like sometimes it is it is about the frame but sometimes it's about just like the way that a uh digital digital filmmaking can feel in that particular yeah. space with that particular um size frame yeah you're like i've seen this before <laughs> I've seen this CGI trick before. I've seen this particular particle effect package that you bought from the company that you bought it from. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, we talked about that last week with Valerian. Like, Valerian has so much practical effects and so much tactical, tactile stuff that um, it it feels at least like real and creative in a way that this this yeah this you're 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 right. It looks it looks like a Netflix. Like they it, they spent three hundred million dollars on it, but it and it has some cool visuals, but not enough for you to feel absorbed into the world. Yeah, it's just like oh, that's a cool uh, cutscene in a Mass Effect game. Yeah. like yeah. that's that's what it looks like. You know what? I I, I I I realized that the what this movie kind of feels like to me is one of those anime movies that they've cut together out of episodes, and it's like like <laughs> oh, there's yeah. clearly a lot more backstory. It's like we like our movie so fast to try, yeah. Yeah, and you assume like, that, that most of the bad sense, dialogue but... delivery is because of the dumping. Yeah. Yeah, you're like the the bees line, like they actually spent six episodes setting up. Exactly. But we cut those six episodes. There wasn't anything in there. They just kept talking about bees. Anyway. Yeah, there's a whole episode from a perspective of a bee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we're at at final thoughts. I mean, I, I you know, kind of like I said at the beginning, it's, it's I I wish this movie was a forgotten classic that they, like i think like a lot of people i don't know your both of your opinions of speed racer but speed racer was a movie that i completely skipped over when it came out and then i started hearing like oh it's actually rules like if you're on its wavelength and you're buying into the fact that they are doing this overpowering technicolor candy colored like assault on the senses that doesn't need to make any sense it's just fun and and over the top and ridiculous then and watch it on the biggest screen that you can you're gonna have a really good time with it and wa- watching it under those like um circumstances for my first time i was i feel like i was prepared for what it was trying to do i ended up loving it and as i've revisited i you know felt like uh like a lot like i'm not the only person who's out there saying that uh, speed racer is one of their best movies i know some people also violently disagree with that but having you know seen this on a plane and and generally liking, uh, really liking the directors, I was hoping that this was going to be like, as I watched Valerian more, I'm like, oh, I fucking, I think I really love this movie, even if it has some serious casting and script and acting problems. And I, you know, just 
generally just disappointed to find out that like oh this feels generic in the wrong ways not interesting in the wrong ways and like goofy in not enough ways and ultimately it's just kind of you know it's probably the only wachowski movie that i can say is kind of just you know blah like i like i i don't hate it i don't love it it's 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 kind of boring it's broadly speci- it's broadly generic, but specifically yeah. weird. Which is yeah. again, it's why it's such fodder for bad movie podcasts. But like, yeah. the broadly generic parts make you have to fixate on something. And when you're kind of falling asleep, and you're like, "Yeah, yes, they're gonna fly that spaceship again." Yeah, don't um, put your it, don't put your holograph risk on the thing again. Keep <laughs> avoiding that forever. I guess they're going to do the same sequence they just did again with a different character. All right, cool. I guess that's what the climax of this movie is. Um, whereas I don't think, I know, Lark, you told me you have some problems with Cloud Atlas. I, I quite like I quite like Cloud Atlas. I don't think Cloud Atlas has the problem of being either broadly generic or specifically generic. It is weird and customized through and through by the three directors. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was the most boring thing. I just couldn't believe how bored I was the whole time. Um, <laughs> and like, and when, I hadn't seen it before we t- we started talking, and I was like, and I was like, this is gonna be, this is gonna yeah. be last. Like, it's either gonna be, yeah. it's either gonna be awesome, and all of us are gonna be like, holy shit, we missed out on this movie, and we make jokes about it for months, or it's gonna be like us being like, well, really hope the Wachowskis keep making movies because I gotta get this out of my taste, yeah. <laughs> get this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was boring. This wasn't boring. This, this was fun. This wasn't boring. Yeah, I. So I'm curious, like, if you were making this movie, how would you change it to make to make it more fun? Like, what would you? What would your vision for this movie be? Um, I would make it. I would. I would make it closer to the '80s Flash Gordon movie. Mm. Um, more practical sets. Um, less like. You know, if you really have to, like, control the budget, like, make, like, the, the House of Abraxas is, like, one big hall, right? Like, one spaceship flies around, basically, that gets, like, painted over. Like, make it feel more tactile. Um, lean into the corniness with, like, a score that's, like, very... We didn't really talk about this at all, but, like, a score that, like, is very evocative and interesting. And that Queen score for Flash Gordon is so fun. Like, um, there's, there's specific... There's specific like touchstones in that that like are the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think there should have been a song. Recasting. There should have been a song where they sang about what happens in the movie. <laughs> it's true for all. Movies, who, so. who would play Mila Kunis instead of Mila Kunis for as Jupiter? Well, so I actually think my whether you recast Mila Kunis or not, I think the the more interesting choice, which can call attention to some of the ridiculousness, there is so much political machinations and so much industry and all these different things. If you had a you have a character that's a blank slate and every single time is like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I'd like to get back home, though. Oh, wow, that's crazy. If you took that and ran with it to you are have a main character who aggressively thinks everything they're learning about is progressively stupider and dumber. And it's like, this is like, and is trying to destroy, like try not is in no way interested in learning about them going along with their plans. Like is, I think you have maybe not like a guardians of the galaxy type type level thing or something like that, but just maybe a more interesting way to show that they cre- created this like very 
elaborate world with more backstory that we're going to ever get, get to. And if they pluck a person out of there that is aggressively not interested in what's going on as opposed to passively not interested in what's going on, I think you have a perspective that actually probably pulls out some of the fun of the world naturally. Um, I think you need a protagonist that's rebelling against the lore. Yeah. I, that's what I, you need. I, I, the two, two names that come to mind, um, are both just, it's, it, it's just recency bias. Um, but, uh, the first one that I would, as in replacing Mila Kunis is, uh, Kiki Palmer. And that's because I just saw Nope. And I feel like she beautifully threads this yeah. line between like, this scene is silly. This scene is deadly serious. And like, yeah. And this scene is something in between because Jordan Peele is playful and fun. <laughs> um, and yeah. she threads that line beautifully. And she has, I think, the hardest role in that movie. Um, because Daniel Kaluuya obviously gives a great performance in that movie. But he mostly gets to be stoic. Um, yeah. And, like, gets to be, like, a fairly, like, centered, fairly masculine performance. Kiki Palmer has to play hero. She has to play fuck up. She has to play inspiring figure. Like, she has to play everything. And I feel like for Jupiter, you want someone like that. Um... And, and yeah, actually, I, I'm not even going to name the second person. I feel like Kiki Palmer would be a good pick. Also, like, just, like, making the movie more colorful. There's just a lot of, like, white dopes in this movie. Um, I honestly feel like Channing Tatum is well cast, though. He doesn't do a good job. Like, I, maybe it's this fantasy setting, whatever. But, like, I feel like you have a director that uh, really, like, builds a confidence in him that he can do this. Like, like, yeah. like... Steven Soderbergh talks about this in interviews. He's like, if you spend enough time talking to Channing Tatum, you can convince him to do anything and he'll do it with the confidence of like a Titan. Like he'll do whatever. You just have to spend a few minutes working with him. I I feel like they just didn't, they didn't quite zero in. Cause he just, well, but even then, like what you're talking about the confidence of, if he was playing it like a magic mic, like an overconfident dog, like, I mean, that would have been more interesting too. Like I I think star Lord dog combo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would have been great. Like, I mean, how much, like, the way that your dog, uh, or not your dog, but, like, a dog will assuredly, like, bark at a threat that isn't there or something like that. Like, you put that energy into Channing Tatum, yeah. who's we already know is good as playing, like, the 20, the Jump Street movies prove he's really good at portraying someone who thinks he's the coolest person in the room and is not at all. Like, you put that energy into there, I think you have something more interesting. You what about you, Lars? It, it would be great if... um I don't. He would be um, the guy who played Cat on Red Dwarf. If he just, if we just brought Red Dwarf energy into his performance, that'd be great. Um, that would, I mean, that would kind of do the Flash Gordon thing we're talking about, because like, it's it's like an actual set, like it's characters talking more than just like throwing spectacle yeah. in your face. Um, so I guess so. My version of it that I was working through in my head, one, uh, I hadn't really thought about recasting Mila Kunis, but I just thought. Um, first of all, I thought Tim Robinson would be really funny as someone who's just increasingly <laughs> pissed off. And, uh, and then I thought Patty Harrison would be so funny as, as the stand-in. <laughs> and I feel like... What are they speaking? Well, obviously, that's the best that. idea of all time. Yeah. If you do, if you do Tim Robinson, or even as the Channing Tatum Yes, exactly. Patty Harrison is, I mean, 
That I mean, and then keep everything. You don't even have to change the script or anything. It's immediately the best movie of all time. You I need think. to make the goatee like twenty percent more pathetic than it currently yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty pathetic. But he is. Yeah, he's got that vibe. Um, I guess yeah. like um, Patty Harrison's like, I don't like bees. <laughs> they scare me. <laughs> um, I feel like a. Um... My only idea is cleaning. All right, I gotta get back to cleaning. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm thinking Kate Berlon and John Early would also be great for this. Like, if we're just continuing. Uh, yes. Um, I guess I think in my mind it would be fun to do this as <clears throat> kind of a farce version of a young adult novel. Like, you could do it where she's basically a Coen Brothers protagonist who's just like, like she is so pinbally, and I feel like they are the best people at doing that. Where it's just, I mean, the whole structure of her, her like chosen one status is so funny already because she just is this random person who happens to have the same genes as, as a dead person um so i feel like if we combined like some cohen energy some arthur dent energy and uh um like really emphasize that part that would be pretty great like and also i think if they had shown any kind of brazilian capitalist world in the cleaning like that would have been so easy to do is to establish and then you're making some kind of point about how like you're fantasizing about escaping to another world but that other world is just as ruled by cruel capitalism as everywhere else like there's the the absurdity of that fantasy i think there's like Like good material go back because why bob yeah it's like the same or or why she does go back because it's like the same thing out there you know um i think that 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 would be good material but yeah like this movie wants to be too too straight which is tragic yeah i mean also we didn't even touch on the fact that like the movie could be like 70 percent more horny and like that would really paste over a lot of issues that would fill in a lot of potholes i implore you both to go look at go google the imdb parents guide for this movie which is hilarious because it aggressively starts up by saying there is nothing sexual in this movie <laughs> technically like like it is it, then it says here's seven things that like could be sexual but they're not really in this movie it's an entire it's, movie it's a, built around reproduction our main character is introduced harvesting her eggs and yet no one has ever considered having sex they have not heard <laughs> of sex no, so much so that they're fine marrying their mom. I think cause... I think the reason the kids are so ready, like, are so messed up, is that they never got the talk. Because, like, if you if you have kids that are going to age to forty thousand, you're like, well, we could put it off till they're a hundred or whatever. Like, we don't actually have to explain to them where yeah. babies come from. Just no one trip and fall. Yes, <laughs> because we don't have a solution for that unless you have the spray handy. Uh, yeah. Well, this yeah, was fun. Like, uh, yeah. Terrible Poor movie. Man. Yep. Very bad. Terrible Boring movie. But you know. We'll we'll get on the next one. Uh, Lark, do you have anything to promote? No, um, I I did pitch we like to watch, which is my erotic thriller podcast to Peter, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna get through. No, I'm not it's doing get anything. Picked up by the network. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, budget cuts. You know, everyone's like tightening their belt oh, in 2023. You know. <laughs> budget cuts meaning I would have to pay you an even greater fee. Like it's we're already in the invert. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not working on anything too exciting now. But I would like to do a podcast sometime. So I will kidnap you guys and bring you. Awesome. On. Yeah. Well, and we should we should at some point try to do a pods uh, not dead reunion. Yeah, something. that'd be fun. Yeah. I'm out of we'll seminary, so I'm firmly more. an atheist we'll now. Have... <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll definitely have you on more often than. Uh, 
18 was urge yeah more than once every five years gotcha uh yeah but next week we're gonna do mortal engines which i finally even so uh lark something you'll find sort of funny we've been doing this planning to do this month for like a year and a half and i thought when peter said we're gonna do mortal engines that there, there's this other movie called The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. Which oh, was yeah. Like a, a YA attempt at a franchise that didn't go anywhere. So I thought that was the movie we were doing until, like, our first episode of this. So I had seen the trailer for Mortal Instruments at some point, and And when he said we're actually doing Mortal Engines, I'd never, I had no idea what it was. So I have, Peter, I've watched the trailer for Mortal Engines. And it looks really stupid. It's, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm excited. We're doing that next week. Do you know? Do you know what it's about? Vroom, vroom. It's about a city that eats cities. No, it's it's like they put their cities on wheels, and now mm-hmm. the cities fight across mm-hmm. the apocalyptic. Oh my god, that's they the fight, best idea then, I've ever heard. They yeah. fight, and then the cities that lose get consumed by the other city. Oh my god. So yeah, produced by Peter Jackson. And it's like DJ. it's also a novel adaptation, though, right? Wasn't it a series? I think it's, I think it's, it's one of those YA it. things that there's like three or four books. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I haven't done my research yet. So not City of Bones, but City of Wheels. <laughs> yeah, City of Gears. City of Gears. Gears. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing next week, and then we'll round out with Battle Angel Alita, a certified pretty good movie. Uh, all, right. all right, Aaron PG Classic.